Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being, reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Server Member Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Das, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. This podcast is a manifestation of our interconnected lives, and we wish to keep it free at all costs, if you can say that. So, we are dependent on the generosity of you, our listeners. So, please go to mindpodnetwork.com slash kd, and either use the donate button, or just bookmark the Amazon portal. We receive a small percentage of however much you paid for whatever you bought. Nothing extra for you, but a tangible contribution, if small, for us. You could also sign up for a free trial with the voluminous audible.com. We get something out of that, too. We thank you for the support and allowing us to continue presenting Krishnadasa's excellent talks. Yeah. Hey, namaste. Um, Same to you. What do you think of the... Um, positive thinking phenomenon that's, you know, pretty much 
big part of the self-improvement movement. I mean, how does that fit in into your, can you actually force yourself to be a positive thinker and to make things happen simply by the power of your thoughts? Because I believe that you've said previously that you really have no power over your thoughts. The only power you have is your willingness to do your practice daily. And as a result, release yourself from the tyranny of those thoughts. Correct. Right. Whereas, Which is a very positive thing. Yes. If you're no longer thinking you're a piece of shit, you might graduate to be urine or something like that, and that's not as bad. And then from urine, you could get to be like dirty water or something. Eventually, you get to be pure water. Right. But is, is positive, or can you force positive thoughts? Or is it something that comes, are they something that come as a result? You know, I, went, I once had a girlfriend. I once had a girlfriend. And the first time I went over to her house, I walked in, and there was a sign by the door. I am beautiful. And I took my shoes off, and I saw another sign saying, I am wonderful. Then over there, they were, I am brave, I am unafraid, I'm this. And I started to cry because I saw who she thought she was, which is none of those things, right? She's trying to positively enforce these wonderful qualities that we have in some measure because she felt that she wasn't all those things, okay? So there's some, tr there's some value in that, I think, if it works for you. But the point is, you can't... Who are you hiding from? You know? You can't build a huge building on top of, of quicksand. The bigger the building is, the more it's going to sink. So it depends how you approach the practice. If you approach it in a way where you're not trying to convince yourself of something and you're simply trying to recognize that part of you that is that way, it might be helpful. But for somebody who's depressed like me, it never works. Just I never, not even close. I, I'm depressed. I'm a depressed person. That's my personality. So that kind of stuff never made any sense to me. Um, but I know people who do it, and who it seems to help them. But, you know, who are you when you go to sleep at night, when you're not in control of your thoughts, when you're not busy plugging in all the positive things because of your fear, your fear, you know? It seems to me that it would be, at some time, if not right now, it would be useful to look at the fears. Because... That's the underlying reason, I mean, that's, the, that's what's underneath all your positive thinking, you know. Um, So-called positive thinking. You know, even tatwamasi, which is the phrase, thou art that, which you repeat, which is supposedly a mantra. It's not really a mantra, it's a statement of reality. I am that. Thou art that. 
that. It's not supposed to do it as a mantra to try to convince yourself because you already are that. There's no convincing that's necessary. All that's necessary is to remove the negative thinking by learning to let go of it. So, if it works for you or for someone, then obviously, knock yourself out. Obviously, do it. But you might also, if you're really not so afraid that you can be honest with yourself, you might notice it's a little bit like trying to pick yourself up like this. You can't just plug in new stuff. You can't, you don't have the leverage. Every time you say, I am fearless, you're really saying, I'm afraid. I want to be fearless, but I really feel afraid, so I'm going to say I'm fearless. It doesn't, I don't know if it gets down to the knee-jerk reactions, you know, the unconscious things, programs that are running. You know, it might make your life a little bit more workable on the on that physical plane in the daily life, which is a great thing. But honesty with ourselves is really, unfortunately, the key to everything. So, you know, it's like, It's like sometimes people say, you know, people who are ill, they say, I'm healthy, I'm well, I'm wonderful, I'm, you know. Well, you have cancer. And are all those things enough to take the cancer away? We all have cancer. We all have cancer of self-hatred, of self-loathing, of not knowing our own beauty, of not being in touch with our own love. I don't know if that's enough, but if it works, go for it. Maybe it'll lead you to something else. Maybe all of a sudden the lights will come on and you go, hey, that's right. I don't know. It doesn't work for me. And sometimes people say, you know, this thing of, I'm, I'm uh, what's that phrase? It was pretty big, like, some years ago. Everybody would say, uh, um, I make my own reality. Give me a break. You know? Okay, give me a headache. You make your own reality? Get rid of my headache. They can do that. It's not... Thinking is just a very small level of reality. Generating positive thoughts is a great thing. But... If the motivation is fear and self-hatred, are you really getting to that? Are you really removing that? Are you really lightening that up? Or are you just covering it up? You know, I don't know. I'm asking. And I'm not asking you. I'm just asking. It's a question we need to to deal with. Well, I, I do have some experience with this. And I did do positive affirmations for quite a while, I would say almost a year on a daily basis, and mm-hmm. sometimes in front of a mirror. And they did help tremendously, and they did, it did help me to get to the next level mm-hmm. in terms of my process. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't hold. 
Yeah. For a long, much after yeah. I stopped doing them. This, much. In other words, it yeah. seems that it would take an enormous amount of effort long term yeah. to keep it going. Yeah, you know, uh, this is a really interesting issue. Westerners, for the most part, don't have wiring for positive, happy feelings of well-being to flow through. We don't have the wiring. We're not brought up that way. Our parents weren't happy. Our grandparents weren't happy. Nobody we knew were happy. Our teachers weren't happy. We didn't develop the wiring to hold happiness, to hold simple well-being. So, the only way that I know, you see, this is why in all the traditions they always encourage you to serve others and think of others. It's not to be a goody-goody. Nobody gives a shit about that. What they want is that we create the capacity within ourselves to feel good about ourselves. And nothing makes you feel better than giving. And it creates, I, I use the word wiring, but let's say the pathways that, this, that a simple sense of well-being can start flowing in your, through you, in yourself. And moreover, when you're thinking about others, you can't be obsessing about yourself. A lot of times people come to me, oh, I'm so depressed, what am I going to do? I say, okay, look, kill yourself next week, but before that, go to a soup kitchen and dole out soup to people. And they never kill themselves because they, just in the act of giving to people who have real needs on the physical plane, for instance, that can hardly be met, it's so, it changes you, it empowers you, it shows you how much you do have to give. And you just naturally start to feel better about yourself. Yeah, you sink again. But Maharaji never encouraged us to think about ourselves. Never. What do we do? Love, it, love God, serve people. Love people, serve people, and remember God. That's what he said. He didn't say, and think about yourself 24-7. So it's interesting. We, don't, we take that as, oh, oh. As we can't understand what that means, not thinking about it. I mean, how am I not supposed to think about myself? I'm still supposed to make myself happy. What if I don't think about myself? How will I ever get it together? Excuse me. If you're not thinking about yourself all the time, guess what? Nobody in the universe will be. And it won't be a problem. You just won't be obsessing about yourself. Because these thoughts are automatic. These aren't real thoughts. You're not really sitting there thinking like, what the hell is wrong with me? You're just going on like, oh, I'm such a piece of shit. Why can't I do that? I do this all the time. Why am I like this? My hair is too frizzy. What am I going to do? So those aren't real thoughts. That's just dross. That's just running off all the time that catches us. When we stop and think about other people and try to develop what they call bodhicitta, which is an enlightened heart, 
feeling of compassion for everyone, for all beings. It's a very powerful practice. It includes all the things that we're doing in one thing. So, but once again, anything that works for you, please don't let me talk you out of it. Do it, but be honest. You know, if you're doing something out of fear, are you really getting rid of the fear? Or are you just actually catering to the fear? It's a little scary, since we're talking about fear. But honesty, without honesty, you can't really get down to it. You can't really, you can't really find your seat. Your asana, you can't find your seat. Because you're afraid. We have so much fear, every time we sit down, it's like we're sitting on a pin. We're not comfortable sitting down, being ourselves. We don't like ourselves. I mean, I think if you look at all the, the times when you don't feel good, you'll see that underneath all that, there's this kind of self-judgment that's going on. So, we do practice in order to get the strength to live a good life to live a life full of, of well-being, of a sense of well-being, which is natural to us. You see, the un- you've got to understand, all this joy is not something that we create through practice or through our will. It's what we discover is in there by removing all the negativity and all the clouds that we usually carry around with ourselves. Everything in there is fine, guaranteed. It's here that the problems are. There's no doubt about that. Maharaji said things like, I've done everything. I just leave the mind to you. Great. Meaning that he's just, everything's going to be cool. He's, he's redone our lives. Everything's going to be fine. Now, if we could just shut our minds up and stop worrying, we'd enjoy it. So that's our job getting over all the stories we tell ourselves 24-7. Hare Rama. Yeah. You mentioned about being depressed. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering if the practice that you've done has improved that. Have you found that practice makes you less depressed? Where's Jimmy Swagger when you need him? <laughs> I want to confess I want to testify. Well, I still mope around, but I enjoy it a lot more. <laughs> Sometimes I'll remind, you know, I haven't moped for like ages. Let's mope around a little bit, and I'll walk around from one room to the other. I think, wow, this is great. I used to do this all the time. I miss it. Yeah, you just, the thing is, you don't think about yourself all the time. You're no longer the most important thing in the universe. How do I feel now? How do I feel now? Oh, God, I don't think I feel very good right now. What should I do? What medication should I take? Maybe I should watch TV. Okay, the TV doesn't work. Let me do something else. You know, if you're not like, you just, you just, it's, you're no longer the most important thing in your life. It's quite an experience. Shut up. 
I'll tell you if it helped or not. Yeah, it's helped. Sorry. And the thing is, I don't think I changed that much, really. I'm still a cranky fart. But, you know, it's not so bad. <laughs> Except for the people around me. Their armor gets bigger and bigger every day. It, the way it works is not that all of a sudden you feel like you're somebody else. The way it works is that more of the time you feel okay being yourself. Just like that. It's so simple. It's ridiculous. It's not complicated. But it's not easy because we've been programmed so strongly to, to not be ourselves. To be always looking to be distracted by this or that or entertainment or shows or movies or music and all that stuff. It's all good if you enjoy, but, you know, if you're using it to be, to avoid being here, then you're spending a lot of time not being here, which is not very useful. Sounds like acceptance. Would someone take this woman out of here? <laughs> get, get up. Take that mic away from her. You're going to make me feel good. Get out of here. I'm just thinking about the, um, the dynamic between being happy with things as they are. I'm thinking of the prayer, Sita Ram Kahiye. Be happy where Lord Ram puts you. And the relationship between that and having the willpower to do the things that you want to do. Um, that's the question. What's, how do those things coexist? The idea is that Ram made you exactly as you are. Period. Wanting, wanting those things. Or, and unable to get them as well. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's where Ram put you. So that's where you have to be happy. Where would you? Where else would you like to well, be? Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. Somewhere else. Sure. Yeah, sure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's just another version of you know what the same stuff. You know, wanting to be somebody else, wanting to be somewhere else, wanting to be different, wanting not to be me. Same version. Same story. Different version. When that phrase, to remain wherever Ram places you, means to be happy as you are, even with all the unhappiness. But we don't have the wiring, so we have to find a way to, to make that space in our hearts to, to sit and be happy. Yeah. But it's still important to do, try to do the things that you want. If you think so, it is. I'm asking. Uh, how do I know? It's your life. Uh, you know, I don't know what you... I don't know. Um, if it's important to you, then it's important. Period. Nobody has to tell you. When you're hungry, you eat. Nobody has to tell you you're hungry. So if you want something, 
it's a hunger. Nobody has to tell you it's okay. It's, it's okay. That's the way you are. That's who you are. There's nothing wrong with wanting things, and there's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with having desires. It comes with the body. It comes with, the, uh, with, with being born in this world, full of desires, full of longing for things. There's nothing wrong with any of that. The only thing wrong is that we don't feel good about ourselves. That's, that's the only... It's like we got... We landed, like, we came, we've, you know, we're not sitting in ourselves comfortably. We're sitting uncomfortably. Because we were uncomfortable growing up, we were born, and everybody around us was uncomfortable, so we, we became uncomfortable. That's the way everybody is in this world, uncomfortable. Even rich people with 50 houses and fancy cars and beautiful couches, they lie on those couches and they worry about losing it all. How are they going to hold on to it? That's uncomfortable. Sometimes the poorest people are the happiest people. They've lost everything, and they're still here. They have no fear. That's why in India, a lot of times you meet people, very simple people. It's amazing how in the present moment they are and how, they're, how at peace they are with, with themselves. And they have nothing, very little. It's extraordinary. We, we, because... They're brought up differently, at least in the old days, brought up very differently. One of the reasons, one of the ways they brought up, they, they believe that there's a reason for everything. Karma. They believe in karma. They don't think things are random. They think things are the way they are because they're the way they are. And that's enough of a reason. They try to live in the moment and accept to some degree accept their circumstances and be happy with it as it is there's a lot of it's very subtle in India there's lots of stuff going on that's really miserable and horrible no question about it but I'm talking about the ideal of the east which is hardly exists anymore well that's not true it exists when I was living with the Tuaris, Mrs. Tuari was very ill. She had neuropathy from diabetes, raging diabetes, couldn't be controlled. And one day she was kind of lying down and kind of writhing in agony, real physical agony, right? Agony. And I said, Ma, are you okay? You know? And she just smiled. She said, machine broken. Inside, okay. But she meant it. There was inner happiness, even with this physical torture that she lived in every day. It's hard to believe. We can't, we can't even imagine. She was really at peace and happy, even though she was suffering terribly. This, this is a very advanced state. And, you know, it's a very deep state. It's like someone asked the Dalai Lama, you know, Your Holiness, are you happy? And he said, well, you could say I've had a hard life. You know, I, I had to take over the reins of my country at a very young age. I was forced to, taken from my parents and lived in this big palace and was raised by monks and training and 
all this how many hours a day and then we had to run away from the Chinese and they killed millions of my people and now I'm living in exile. And he said, but I'm happy. He could say that. He's not afraid to say that because happiness is a state that it's our true nature and he's in touch with his true nature. And even if the outside world is falling down, it doesn't affect that happiness. And in fact, that allows him to extend himself in extraordinarily compassionate ways to every being who comes into his life, into his presence, because he has that inner peace. Inner peace, peace of mind is a really big thing. Don't, don't think it's nothing. Ah, peace, who wants peace? I want bliss. Fuck bliss. Take peace. I guarantee you, bliss comes and goes. Real bliss is peace anyway. But what people want is ecstasy and high states of mind. You're just gonna, you're just fucking yourself over. You know, it's like taking a drug. It's gonna come, it's gonna go. Go for peace. Equilibrium, peace, the ability to deal with every moment as it arises fully and at and right here, and not be destroyed by it, or pushed over, or knocked down. You know, you might get blown around a little bit like this, but you're right here. That's a very big thing. And out of that peace comes extraordinary happiness, and bliss, and ecstasy, and all that stuff. But it's not a physical thing. When Maharaji took four hits of acid, Ramdas, you know, do you know, you all know the story. I, I would by now, right? He just sat there. Nothing happened to him. He just looked at us and he said, ah. Yogis have known about this for thousands of years. He said, for someone who's one with God, no poison can affect him. He saw it as a poison, a toxin. He took it. He could also take like this much arsenic. The stories of him eating like, you know, a ball of arsenic. Some sadhus, arsenic is slightly hallucinogenic, psychedelic. So some sadhus... They take little bits every day. And over time, they develop a tolerance. So they have to take more and more every day. Enough that would kill us. Just gives them a little hit. So one day, Maharaji took the sadhu's whole year's supply of arsenic and put it in his mouth. And the sadhu said, Baba, what have you done? What have you done? He said, no problem. Just give me a little water. He drank a little water. No, he didn't die. Nothing. He didn't even get a headache. This is somebody who is beyond... Just beyond. There's no jokes. This stuff happened. This is real. So, the point was that when you're really in it, when you have that, when you're when you're sitting in your essence, in who you really are, nothing can affect you negatively. You're present for everything in your life and everyone, and even you're present for yourself. It's a very wonderful being, wonderful state. And it's our birthright. It's who we are, everybody. It's not something you get if you're good and you, they take it away from you if you're bad. It's who you are. It's, not, it's just, that's the way it is. So. Our lives are a ripening process of opening to that place within us where you are exactly who you really know 
yourself to be. That person. And it's good. It's goodness. Basic goodness. Thank you for listening to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. We really appreciate your support and hope you'll continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash kd and clicking on the donate button or using our amazon.com portal for all of your purchases. Thank you. Namaste.